we have um, this guy is just, he, uh, you're a legend. You're actually so cool. You wear the same ripped jeans every week and it makes me just want to cut holes in mine. You know, he has the best knees in Glory City. I say all that, I say that jokingly. He is uh, anointed. He carries a heart for young people, for a generation. He has vision. He's a young man with vision who can see that Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, the world is, is going to shift and he's sowing in now for people who are going to run with that. That's, that's what's going to happen. And he's, he's willing to lay down his life and, and to be part of that and to help young people come up. And so I just want us to stand and honour Pastor Matt Wyman, our youth pastor tonight. Yeah. When choosing my outfit, I, I was actually thinking about it because I was like, I was like, I have some, I have some black jeans. One pair aren't ripped. One pair are. And I was like, what should I do? Should I, should I not wear the ripped jeans? because I don't want to be that youth pastor that wears ripped jeans? Or do I be the youth pastor that wears ripped jeans? And when I was thinking about this, I actually thought about, there's a, there's a leader, she's on photography tonight on our team, and she's studying fashion. Her name's Luca. And I remember she said something about me wearing ripped jeans once. She, she was like, you know, ripped jeans aren't actually a trend anymore. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to wear these ripped jeans to annoy her. So I'm literally just wearing these to annoy Luca. And I, th- and I thought I had to fit the youth pastor role. You know, when I've been, I'm the youth pastor here at Glory City, and it's been, it just clocked over a year of me leading the youth ministry here. Um, I'm a young man. I've learned a lot. It's been the craziest year of my life. I'm also engaged to the most beautiful girl in the world, Emmy Tyree. She snuck up back because she knew I'll be doing this. I'm getting married in October. I'm super excited. Um, but yeah, like, in the year, I, you know, I have the privilege of being able to preach at youth about two or three times a term. And, and quickly, when, when I first started, I guess, preaching, um, I, I went into sermon prep, right? And I didn't really know what I was doing. I was kind of just like, let's just go into this moment with God. And, and I remember, like, maybe the first time, I kind of just wrote stuff down. And then the second time, I, I went to spend time with God. And I was like, okay, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to say? Nothing. What do you want me to say, God? I'm ready. I'm here. My heart's open. Talk to me. Nothing. And, and I just hit this mind blank. And who here like writes or maybe you're typing an important email or you're doing an assignment at school or uni and you, you just like hit this mind blank and you can't seem to get the words out and you're just wanting something to come out but it's just not working? That's me so many times. And, and actually in preparation for this message I'm going to share tonight, that was me again. Um, I came and I was like, all right, I had this vision of me setting aside a portion of time to seek God. So I set aside that portion of time and I spent time with God and I was sitting there and I was like, God, talk to me. My heart's wide open. I'm ready. I'm ready to receive nothing. And I'm just like, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like just trying to get God to talk to me. And who's ever been in that place where you're just like, you're almost like, you just want God to like appear or you want this lightning bolt moment and you're like, God, I'm ready. Talk to me. I'm ready. I need your help. Talk to me. I'm wide open, ready to receive. I'm surrendered to you. And you're like expecting this audible voice to be like, 
I love you. This is the issue to your, this is the solution to your problem. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm, I was just getting so frustrated. And I was just like, God, I need you. I literally can't do this by myself. I feel like I'm preaching my first youth sermon again. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I need you, God. And then God spoke to me and he said, the same need you had for me when you were saved, the same need and desperation you had for me when you didn't know me is the same need and desperation you have for me now. And, you know, for tonight, you know, we've heard all these awesome messages and what I want to just talk about is our need for Jesus being the forefront of our life. And I want to talk about our need for Jesus, our need for Jesus being in every season. You know, I think sometimes we, we need Jesus so much when we meet him in the first place. And then, and then we get into seasons or we get into cycles in our life and we get comfortable and that need for Jesus slips. And I want to put out a thought to you guys that, that if you're in a season where your need for Jesus is decreasing, then I don't think you're in the season that Jesus wants you to be in. I want to live a life, I want to live my life with a conviction that I put myself in uncomfortable seasons so my need for Jesus increases rather than my need for Jesus decreasing. Come on. we, We talk about a lot about this new season. We talk a lot about this new wine that God is pouring out. And man, who feels it? Who feels it in the air? Who feels it in their own life? Who feels it in their workplace or in, in whatever season they're in? You know, God is moving amongst us and there's definitely revival in the air. But, but like Mark pr- preached last weekend, I believe that holiness, you know, and our need for Jesus being the forefront of our life, you know, that is the link. You know, that is the thing that keeps us solid, that keeps us grounded. In a moment where God is going to come and He's going to accelerate and things are going to shift in the Spirit, right? All right, I want you to close your eyes. I'm just going to pray over tonight real quick. Dear Father, I thank You for Your presence, God. I thank You for every single word that we've heard, every single revelation that, be, that has been imparted. I pray that it, was, it would have been caught tonight that we wouldn't just let it go in one ear and out the other, Father, that we would take it and we would put it and deposit it into our spirit, Lord. I speak to destinies tonight. I speak to every hopeless situation tonight. And I declare your goodness, your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, everybody said, yes, amen. All right, I'm going tr- to rush through this, but not rush through this, okay? Open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 5, verses 29 to 39. I'm going to start reading. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house, and there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him. And their scribes and Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well and have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous but the sinners to repentance." Then they said to him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? And he said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, then they will fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them, no one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one, otherwise the new makes a a tear. 
and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved, and no one having drunk old wine immediately desires the new. For he says, the old is better. All right. So a bit of context around that passage. In that passage, Jesus is about 32 years old. He's just begin his just began his ministry. He's not he's not like super well known, but he has a reputation. So he's performing miracles. The Pharisees know him. He's got a reputation. He's out and about. All right. And in this scripture, he finds himself at Matthew the tax collector's house. He meets him, Matthew the tax collector, who's also called Levi, invites him to his house, and he puts on this spread. And there's Pharisees, there's John's disciples, there's his disciples. A lot of different groups of people are there, right? And, and the Pharisees are asking him, they don't understand that he's trying to bring in something new. They're used to the old covenant. They're used to the law. They're used to things being standards, standards and um, laws. And they don't quite understand that Jesus is coming to bring a new thing. So they're asking him, okay, John's disciples fast. We fast. Why don't your disciples fast? And I think that's a loaded question. They're basically saying, they're trying to put him in a position to say, I'm not religious. That he's trying, they're trying to put him in a, into a position where he, he basically says to them, well, maybe because we're just not as religious as you. But what Jesus does is he shares a, he shares a parable of wineskins. And I want to explain the wineskin parable just a bit. I actually, I was like, I was just trying to get my head around how wineskins worked. And I looked on YouTube and I found this kids church teaching and, I, and God was like, do you have childlike faith? And I was like, yeah, I guess. And I was like, so I clicked on. And I was like, this is the best explanation ever. Basically, because they didn't have bottles, because they didn't have anything to carry, what they would do is they will carry wine in wineskins. And an old wineskin, right, it was stale. It was, it was stuck together. And when you would pour new wine into that old wineskin, what that wine does it, is it actually ferment, ferments. So it grows. And because it's old and because it's like stuck and it's tight, what happens is as that new wine grows, the old wineskin bursts apart. Whereas with a new wineskin, whoa, it's so funny. When my voice breaks at work, all, like the, all the kids are like, oh, your voice broke. I'm like, yeah, when you get to 21, you don't care anymore. Like, it's just like, this is a part of life. Um, but anyway. What a new wine skin, it's, skin does is it's like our skin, right? So as the wine grows, it molds itself and it grows with the wine. See, and what, what I believe Jesus, when I interpret this text, what I believe Jesus is talking about is he's using the old wine skin as the old covenant and he's using the new wine skin as the new covenant, and he's talking about what he's going to do as the wine. He's saying, both are preserved. I have no problem with the old covenant. I have no, I have no, we don't need to remove it. We don't need to abolish it. All I'm saying is that I can't put the new thing I'm trying to pour out in the old wineskin, right? 
And that's my interpretation. But what I want to do is I'm not interpreting the text for this message. What I want to do is I want to bring out an application of this text because I believe that the old wineskin and the new wineskin can represent us when God's trying to pour out new wine. Right? And I've got three key thoughts that I just want to share with you. Because who wants to handle new wine in their life? Who believes that Jesus wants to do a new thing? Who's not satisfied where they're at? I'm not. I'm not seeing what I read in the Bible. I'm not seeing what I see my leaders walk in. I'm not satisfied. I'm saved. I'm set free. I'm delivered. But I'm not satisfied with what I'm experiencing, with what, with what I'm walking in, because I know there is more. And if you can tell me that you're satisfied, then surely you're not, you don't have to listen to this message. But if you're not satisfied, if you're not walking in everything you want to, I pray that you listen to this message. All right. First key thought is, in order to handle new wine, you have to be willing to let go of the past. I want to, I remember once, uh, who, who put your hand up here if you love your mom? Come on. My mom's here tonight. I love you. But I'm going to steal your, I'm going to share a story of my mom. I remember my mom was um, spending time with God as she always does. Um, and she came out to me once and she was like, I was just reading Philippians 3.12 and, and she was thinking about her life. And she starts to explain to me about the scripture when Paul says, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And she started to talk to me about how she's just been hit with this revelation that if she truly wants to push forward, if she truly wants to move into that next season where God's calling her, she actually can't hold on to something at the same time. You know, and, and in this scripture, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he's saying, hey, I'm not trying to remove the old covenant. I'm not trying to take it away. All I'm saying is I can't pour out this new wine into you if you're not willing to let go of the past, if you're not willing to move on, if you're not willing to change your thinking, if you're not willing to renew your mind and to surrender to what I want to do. And some of us, we're in this place where we're holding on to something here but we're trying to move forward into this next season and we just can't seem to get it because we're holding on to stuff. Or we move forward into the next thing and we let that thing come and drag us back. See, and the thing is, is like Paul's saying, he's saying, not that I've attained, not that I'm perfected, not that I'm, I've got everything sorted, but I push forward to the upward call of Christ, forgetting the things that are behind me. And some of us tonight, we just need to push forward. I love Stephen Furtick when he shares um, about Peter and the chains falling off. And oftentimes we say that we interpret it like the chains fell off and then Peter got up. But what Stephen Furtick says is he says, Peter got up and then the chains fell off. So we need to push forward into the next season. And we just got to trust that God's going to remove that stuff. All right? Key thought number two. In order to handle new wine, you have to be willing to set a new standard. I'm going to say that. In order to handle new wine, you have to be willing to set a new standard. I actually love what Gus, Gus shared. How good was that? Man, how many like revelatory, awesome people do we have in the house? Not just like young adults, but youth. Like, man, I'm so honored. But what he was saying about, you know, setting new standards in your life, stretching yourself. Okay, you spend 10 minutes with God, spend more. You know, and 
I've got a quick story to share. My life, I just share stories, but it's actually about your wife, Pastor Mark. Um, I love Pastor Mark, and I love I love Christine, and Emmy and I were over at the house one night having dinner, and because they just speak into our life, you know, we're getting married soon, and they just speak truth into our, into our future marriage and help us out a lot, and it's awesome, but I remember I'd just finished my degree, so this was about like a month or two ago, so I just finished my degree, and I was like, oh, yes, I finished my degree, like, I can relax, I can have some time off, and, and I remember probably the week or two beforehand, I was just, I was just sleeping in a lot. You know, I had work in the afternoon, and I just, like, I didn't have any uni work to do. So I was like, I'm just going to sleep in. No, no pressure. I'm good. Um, and I remember going to dinner with the, and I, and I told Christine, and oh, my gosh. Like, I love Christine, and we're cool. Like, she's nice to me. Like, she's the one that said the most encouraging stuff to me over the past year, like, apart from Emmy and Jesus. However... She was like, we're cool. So I'm like, I can tell her this, and she's going to understand where I'm coming from. She's going to be like, yeah, you earned that, Matt. You hustled for three years. You earned that sleeping. So I tell her, and oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. She let rip on me. She's like, Matt, what are you doing? She's like, you cannot afford to settle. You cannot afford to set that standard. She's like, do you know the people you lead? She's like, you've got to work harder than them. You've got to study more than them. You've got to read more than them. And I'm like, huh? Like, she's short. Like, she's half my height. And I'm like, scared. I'm like, scared. I'm like, and I was just like, I just felt like I got attacked. And I'm like, fight. You know, like, and then, and she lit, like, I was just like, oh my gosh. And then she ended up sending me this podcast. And, and what I just realized was like, Man, she's not letting me go back to the standards I had in the last season. She's actually forcing me. She's keeping me accountable to set new standards in my life. And another analogy for this is put your hand up here if you go to the gym. Imagine this. Imagine like you're working on the bench press, right? Just if, you're, if you don't do bench press, just imagine you do. Like imagine you go in and you do 10, set, you do 10 reps of like 20 kilograms. Super light. And you're like, okay, it's hard, but I got there. You know, maybe the next week you do, you do 10 sets of 20 again because you don't really think you can do it again. Uh, imagine if you just, like, kept going to the gym, just doing the exact same, same thing, just expecting the exact same thing, setting the exact same standard every single time. Who knows what's not going to happen? Growth. You're not going to grow. I think so much of the time we're going into seasons and we're just letting the same standards stay. We're letting the same mindset stay. And Romans 12.2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's actually a process. And I think sometimes in church culture, we're scared of this. We're scared to set new standards because, you know, we're set free, we're delivered. You know, we're, we, you know, we're good. You know, but... Man, I'm not experiencing what Jesus paid for. And I want to live a life where I'm constantly going into seasons that are uncomfortable and I'm being forced to set new standards. I want to put people in my life that when I go into a season and I'm tempted to go back to another standard, they call me out on it. They go, that's not who you are. That's not the standard you have. 
And for us as a community, for us as Christians, I think the world is looking for us to go into seasons not having the same mindset, but setting new mindsets, setting new standards. Come on. And the final one, final one is in order to handle new wine, we have to be believing for more. In order to, in order to handle new wine, we have to be believing for more. Come on. The, the theme of this night is Jesus. But Jesus didn't just happen when you gave your life to him. The power of the cross, I don't think anyone, any one of us will fully comprehend it until we're up there with him. And I want to live a life where I am constantly, no matter what season I'm in, no matter what's in my way, no matter where I'm at, I'm believing for more. You know, I'm not satisfied where youth is at. I'm believing for more. I'm not satisfied where my marriage is at. I'm believing for more. I'm prophesying. <laughs> I'm not satisfied with how much impact I'm having in my workplace. I'm believing for more. And I think us as Christians, let's steward that heart and let's be relentless and aggressive to pursue more in our life, going season to season, stand, new standard to new standard, mindset change to mindset change. Sound good? Hey guys, thanks for listening to this podcast. Click the notification bell or follow to be updated for when the next one comes out.